greet you all in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be with you tonight. And we began last night with a wonderful time. We met again this morning and I believe the Lord was present with us. And that's all we need really. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for receiving our worship tonight. Thank you for enabling these young people to use their gifts for your glory. I thank you for every family that is represented here tonight. Those that took time to come to the house of the Lord. pray that you may speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It really is an honor and a privilege. Pastor, I just want to thank you for the invitation. And um, I've been blessed just since yesterday when I came in. I've been taken good care of, and I thank you for your hospitality. Brother Louis and his family, I thank you for your hospitality. And I want to begin... By asking, how many were here last night? I guess the other question is, how many were not here last night? <laughs> All right. You guys missed out. But those that were not here, um, we'll, we'll get up to speed with what we're dealing with tonight. It's a continuation of the same thought. And, um, and, and really, in order for us to deal with the subject of breakthrough without making it seem like just a fancy term, it sounds like a perfect title for a conference, right? Breakthrough. You know, we want to, you know, we, we hope to actually tap into what it really is. It will be wonderful for us to come to an understanding of what that really means. And, um, and there's a seriousness with what I want to share tonight because I do believe that this is where the Lord is bringing the church right now. Those that have been hearing me for the past two years, it's going to sound very familiar because I refuse to go to any other material until God is done speaking on this subject. And the subject has got to do with what is, must take place on the inside of a one who calls themselves a believer. I believe that we are living in a post-denominational age. The generation coming up for the parents, let me tell you this. The generation you are raising does not care about your denominational titles. They don't care about that as much as you do. You either show them Jesus or don't. It's either they see Jesus or they don't. They're not tribal. So they're not just going to stick with you. Just because, you know, where we are the ones, uh, we know we are from, it doesn't matter. For this coming generation of believers, you either show them Christ or they will not be impressed. And I believe that it's something that the Lord has put within the heart of the generation of the young. To demand for the church of the Lord to begin to do its job, which is the reflection of Jesus Christ. I thank God there's several denominations, you know, represented here tonight. We got members of the, you know, Independent Coastal Church. We got members of, you know, independent churches. We got members of uh, that, that, that are ministering in, 
in some of the traditional you know, American churches. Everybody that is gathered, I see some familiar faces. And I thank God for that. And I pray that it's a statement that is being made on this property that's speaking the heart of God for what he has for our generation. We've got to come back to the things that matter, which begs the question, what matters? Last night I spoke about worship. And, um, and the whole premise of this, for those that were not here, is that worship is supposed to, 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 to be consequential. There is supposed to be a consequence or an end result that comes from worship. God is not a narcissist, you understand. A narcissist is a person that constantly needs to be told they are good. That constantly needs to be patted on the back. Don't you dare treat God like that. That's not who he is. He's not some narcissist so needy of people constantly declaring how wonderful he is. That's not what worship is. Many people think that the fanciest terms I can put together is what constitutes a song of worship. Even though nothing in you means what you say. You think if you say the most flowery thing that somehow God is impressed. That's pop culture. It's where people that write, you know, that, that on their third and fourth marriages are writing love songs. That everybody's got on iTunes right now. People that have no track record of loyalty write songs about loyalty. That's pop culture. Don't bring that into the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this. You are better off saying something simple but is true than saying something that is fancy but is false. Talking about worship. We're talking about why we must worship. Going back to the original assignment, watch this. You know this. This is not new. You know this, but unless you get this, then the whole drama of scripture is just theatrics and drama with no real meaning. You have got to get what God had in mind in the day that he made you. You've got to understand what was in the heart of God. Because everything else that we do has got to do with reaching that which he had in mind in the day he created us. He has got a purpose. He is trying to accomplish. That purpose is not external. It begins on the inside. Many of us are trying to change the world around us. You know, millennials have been, have been you know, the, the generation of the millennials has been, you know, has, has been really maligned by the fact that everybody wants to change the world when they're a mess themselves. The grandiose ideas about changing the world. I love millennials. I mentor and I coach millennials both in the church and in the business world. And I can tell you this. I love what God has placed on the inside of them. There is an inborn desire. But today I hope we can break and we can talk about what can actually cause you and I to change the world. If you are a student of history, I'm not talking about a student of church history, a student of, of history. If you can, you know, research from the earliest known texts of written language, you can go back to beyond the Rosetta Stone into the Sumerian texts that were found out and the story of Gilgamesh and all that. You go back as far back as you can. Here is what you will know as a, just a student of world history. Something very profound happened 2,000 years ago and accelerated mankind in 2,000 years further than mankind had ever gone in the previous years no matter how many those were. Something happened that, was, that tilted earthly experience 2,000 years ago. 
Let's keep it simple. Can I have somebody help me? Uh, young man, come over here, bro. Fame at last, see? You show up to church on Friday, you get famous. What's your name? Carl? Kyle. 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 Is it Malayali? In the quote? Where are you from? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from here, Atlanta. But your parents, where is everybody from? Philippine India. Which part, dude? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's real simple. Say that I'm going to work with you. Amen. Thanks for helping me out. Give me a hand, y'all. Well done, Kyle. The simply, no, no, no. Don't go away, bro. We're just getting started. <laughs> I need you to hear me good. I'm going to try not to shout or anything, but I pray that you hear me and you hear me good. Because if you don't understand this, then you misunderstand why your church was established. You misunderstand why you get up and go to church every Sunday. You misunderstand why we do the things we're doing in the last few minutes. If you don't get this, you're not getting it at all. Whenever you want to find out God's intention for anything, you always go back to his original conversation about that thing. Because God's original conversation trumps everything else beyond that. Allow me to explain. When you look at God's original conversation about Israel that he spoke to Moses, he says, I have heard the cry of my children, so I'm sending you to Egypt to go and rescue them. You must bring them out and give them to a land I promised their fathers. What is that? It's the original conversation. What happened along that journey? Along that journey, Israel angered God until the anger of God was provoked to destroy Israel. But what did Moses do? Moses interceded. How? By making reference to the original conversation. He pointed God back to the burning bush. And he says, I know, you don't, I know you're angry right now. But you didn't rescue them to kill them. Why? I heard the original conversation. So how does the reset button, is, is, how did God reset the button in God that was about to break out against Israel? When the man of God in intercession brought him back to the original assignment why he wanted to rescue them in the first place. Most people forget God's original statements. And then halfway along the journey with the Lord, circumstances rise up and then they elevate those circumstances to be the most important thing. No, it's not. You always go back to the place of origin. So therefore, when we look at the cross and we see the blood, when we look at the prophets and we see their prophecies and we see the drama in the theatrics of our faith. None of that means anything if you don't understand what God had in mind in the first place. Watch this. How are you doing, Kyle? Good? Stay right there, bro. Here's what Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 says. Then God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Let us make men in our image and according to our likeness. If you're a student of the first chapter of the book of Genesis, you find that it is so full of, it's rich with, with, with more than just, with this, it's multi-layered with the wisdom of God. But what we see in the day that God created this being called man is this is what God says. Let us make men in our image and according to our likeness. The thing God spoke about first in regard to our species was the thing that God emphasizes above everything else. It reveals the reason why he created 
He didn't create because he wanted a bunch of good, you know, Pentecostals that seat the men on this side and the women on that side. Nothing wrong with it. Knock yourselves out. Have yourselves a whale of a time. It's all good. But that's not the most important thing to God. Here's what he said. Let us make men in our image and according to our likeness. And then let them have dominion over everything I have made. This is the reason for me going to work. Rolling back my celestial sleeves and forming men from the dust of the ground. Why? I just want one that looks like me. I've made all things that look like everything else. But there's none that looks like me. In the book of Genesis, I believe it's around chapter 2, maybe around verse 17. This is what the Lord says. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a help me that's suitable for him. It says this, because for every other creature, there was found some, something that was compatible for it. But when the Lord looked at Adam, none was compatible with Adam. That's why he says, I have to make one that is co co compatible with you. Why? Because that was the dilemma in the heart of God. To be surrounded by beautiful things, but none that looks like you. So the Lord knew the pain of Adam. Because in a strange way, if you can allow me to be so audacious, because that was the pain in God. Heaven was surrounded by living creatures, strange looking creatures, six wings. With two wings they flew, with two wings they covered their face, two wings they covered, you know, their feet. And they cried one to another, holy, yeah, beautiful, very, very, you know, really eye-catching, but did not look like him. So the ambition of the Lord is... I want somebody to share in my essence, to share in who I am. Can this one be mine? Can this one look like me? Are we okay? <laughs> Why do you preach, preacher? For the same reason that God created. Why all this evangelism? For the same reason that God created. Why is that man bleeding, hanging on that tree for the same thing that God created, for the same reason? Why are they losing their lives for the same reason that God created? The Lord says, my ambition right now is I want an entity, a being that shares in not just in the way I look, but in the way I am. That's why it's image and likeness. You don't just share in his look, you share in his being. So the question I usually ask, which I know you theologians have a quick answer to. If God then makes a man in his own image and his, in his likeness, and he places this man in the garden. When God is visiting the garden, what is the father doing? Can I try that again? I'm going to make you in my image and according to my likeness. Instead of making the hair so awesome and curly like this, I'll just straighten it like that. But you have my image and my likeness. I'm going to place this being that looks like me in the garden, begging the question, when the Lord would come in the garden, what was the Lord doing? What do you think? Fellowship with who? With? With himself, right? We've talked about this before. You guys remember that? 
How in all of creation and the multiplicity of species, how will the father find Adam? What would the father have to look for? His own reflection. All the father had to do when he scanned the earth was find himself. Where am I? Oh, there I am. Why? Because I see a reflection of who I am coming from this planet. That's where my boy is. He shares in my likeness. He shares in my essence. He's just like me. He is my child. The genealogy that Luke gave us took us all the way to Adam, who it called, and Adam, the son of God. Meaning he was to be as an offspring of the father. You share in my resemblance, son. So now what I want you to do is to take charge on this earth and rule it as I would. Yesterday I gave you the example of the relationship between the sun and the moon, right? The moon is only visible and is only bright and is only worthy of taking pictures of in relationship that it has to the sun. We only can see it when it relates to the sun. Meaning, therefore, in much the same way as we are created, when Adam was on the earth, he was not the source of the light, but he was what? A reflector of that light. The light had an original, you know, <laughs> the, the origin was who the genuine article was the father as he beamed his light on the sun and Adam was on the earth as a reflection of the father. Even the animals, when they looked at him, they were a bit confused because they thought they were looking at the father. So they respected him. And the elephant made way. And the snake would not bite him. Even the mosquito. Why? Because something about you beamed and it shone with the glory of the Father. But here's what happened. Satan knew. Now you want to talk about, people say, preacher, talk to us about spiritual warfare. I'll tell you what spiritual warfare is about. Any trauma you have suffered because of an attack of the enemy, the trauma was not the attack. The loss was not the attack. It was to cause the real attack. And the real attack is what? To cause you to be turned off of your relationship with God. You look at the man Job, for example. We see, the loss of his children was not the attack. His loss of health was not the attack. The attack was to cause his mouth to curse God. That's what the enemy wanted. I give me a chance to shake his confidence in you. He's too close to you. So whenever I get close to him, I feel like I'm tempering with something I cannot overcome. What I'm saying is this, ladies and gentlemen, God's ambition has never changed. The Lord is still looking for those that reflect him. The job of the church is not to be a bunch of people with nice buildings and nice all of this and have services with big crosses in it. That's wonderful, but it's not the main assignment. The main assignment of the church is the representation of heaven on the earth until there is something walking on the earth that bears the resemblance of what dominates the heavens. When sin came in, the enemy had achieved what he wanted. What he wanted was not for them to eat. It had nothing to do with eating fruit. It had something to do with cutting away the source of their light until all that is left is a broken glass with no light of its own. It was to come in between Adam's relationship with God. Because as long as 
he was facing the Father. That light was shining on the earth too bright. That's why the, listen, <laughs> Satan was already, as far as scale was concerned, he looked bigger than us. You can find that when you look at the entities that Daniel was fighting, the, angel, the angelic realm are humongous. Men look small, but was loaded with the essence and the fire and the light and the very nature of God. So he could not be touched. He said, me, say, Felix, you know, I want to overcome the enemy. Enter into, let Christ come alive in you. And let me tell you this, there is one whom the devil cannot conquer. How do we get a breakthrough in our city? Let me tell you this. You do so by having an open heaven. How do I get an open heaven? There is one to whom heaven is always open. If you will allow him to, to enter in and then come alive in you, heaven instantly opens above you. Ah, we didn't sing the song, none but Jesus, just so that we can say something nice. That is the very centerpiece of the gospel. It is the reason why we are here. It's him. Now watch this. When sin came in and all of a sudden the light is cut off, the Lord looks upon the earth and cannot find himself. So he asks the question, Adam, where are you? And Adam would have said, Father, you're used to finding me. It's never been difficult. You know where I always am. He says, son, I'm looking for myself. I cannot find myself. Why? Because that's what sin does. Cuts off the light source so that all that's left is a broken glass that has no light of its own. Thank you. Great job, Kyle. Give him a hand. So he says, you know, preacher, what are you talking about? It's just been complicated for nothing. No, I'm not. Everything that you and I understand to be the communication of the gospel is the restoration of God's original intent. Father, please help me. I said yesterday that worship is not flattery. You don't have to flatter God. Don't, don't, don't go up there thinking that I can tell you the biggest, the most, you know, wonderful things like we're competing is who can say that? No, God is not like that. God is not like the kings of this earth that need to be constantly told they are great. He already knows he's great. But he has given us the agency of worship as a place by which there is an exchange in nature. When we worship, we take on the likeness of that which we worship. Are you hearing me? You take on the likeness of that which you worship. I can go into the projects here and I can find out which the young men in the projects hold as their idols. Because why? Because they, took, they begin to take on the resemblance of the person they hold in high esteem. It is human nature to worship something. You're either worshiping God, but it doesn't mean you're not, or you're worshiping something else. It is ingrained in us to worship. But here's what happens. Whatever we worship, we take on its likeness. Father, please help me. I've given this example before. Let me see if I can visit again real quick. I think it's Psalm 115. Turn there very quickly. And then I'll make my statements for tonight. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 115. Just to emphasize what I'm trying to say right now. He says, not to us, but to the glory of your name, Lord. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. Their idols, their idols 
are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. And they do not make a sound with their throat. And those who make them become like them. And so do all who trust in them. What the psalmist is letting us know is this. That's why when you go to communities that, walk, that, that worship idols, there is a deadness that is in them. There's a lack of a light that shines in their eye. They cannot see the things of God because they're worshiping dead things. Deadness has become their portion. They cannot speak with the authority of the power of God because they worship that which cannot speak. Speech or the ability to speak truth to power has been removed from them. They cannot walk because they worship that which is immobile. And so they are in one place worshiping idols and never seem to advance. The whole idea is this. You take on the nature of the thing you worship and worship has got to do with that which has captured your attention who has your attention that is whom you are giving worth and that's whose likeness you are depositing into your spirit so that's why worship has got to do with you and I turning back to looking to the Lord once again Show you something. If you go to Second Corinthians, let me just make my point. Second Corinthians. I'm bringing us back to our the object of our lesson today. Chapter 4. I'll read from verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. For the Lord who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To give the light, watch this, of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. To reveal the light of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. Yesterday when I was talking about worship, I brought you to the book of Exodus chapter 33. And in Exodus chapter 33, here's what Moses said. When we begin to read from around verse 7 and we go to verse 12 and beyond. I'll give you the paraphrased version. Here's what Moses said to the Lord. One of the most amazing portions of scripture to me. It rocks my world every time I read it. Because here's what Moses says. The Lord, Lord, Moses says to the Lord, if you don't go with me, don't send me away from here. Meaning, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, please don't send me on an assignment where you are not showing up. Moses said that statement after God had promised him, son, I will send an angel with you. He will assure you victory against your enemies. And Moses revealed, I'm not so much interested in the outcome. I'm interested in who is with me. Lord, I'm not serving you for my breakthrough. I am serving you because I am into you, because I love you. So if you offer me breakthrough without you, keep your breakthrough. I want you. So if you don't go with me, Father, 
please don't send me. You want to know what was the secret to Moses' success? It was about who had captured his sight. That old man had been captivated by heaven. Then he says this. The Lord says, you know, you know I, I'm, I, I will go before you for you, I, you have found favor in my sight. Then here's what Moses asks. I need you to hear me good. Moses says, well then, if I have found favor in your sight and if you have known me, then show me your ways. That I might know you, that I might lead this wonderful group of people. And as the Lord was about to respond to that, Moses put forward the statement, I need you to hear tonight. He then turns around and says, I plead with you, Father. Show me now your glory. Show me now your glory. I've preached on this, how the glory of the Lord is the heaviness of God. You know, when we look at the word kabod and what it means, Oh, and it's powerful, but here's the thing. I've already told you where the glory of God is found. You see, the light of God's glory is found in the face of Jesus. What Moses is asking for is not for a supernatural experience with something. He is seeking to take a glimpse at someone. That's why the Lord told him, I will let my goodness pass before you. Somebody is going to walk past you. Why? Because Moses asked to see the glory of the Lord. What has this got to do with anything? Everything. Because here's the privilege that you and I have. We have the privilege of living in the time of Christ. Yes. We have the privilege of knowing that there was a baby that was born of Mary. We have the privilege of knowing that he, he grew up and that he was launched into ministry at age 30. It is our privilege to read the chronicle that lets us know that he was crucified, that he died, he was buried, but that he rose again. We have been blessed with the privilege of knowing that today he has been elevated and is sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory, daily make, making intercession for the saints. You see, Moses did not have the privilege of that because Christ was not yet born. But Moses was so obsessed with a gl glimpse of God's glory that he pressed in to make one request. He says, if I found favor in your sight, Lord, show him to me. Show me your glory. Moses did not want to see something. I know we sing that song, show me your glory. I don't know what we're expecting to see. What are we expecting? A cloud? The glory of the Lord is not a cloud. What are we expecting to see? An atmosphere? The glory of the Lord is not an atmosphere. The glory of the Lord is revealed in the face of one. Who is called Jesus. Moses in the old covenant. After seeing miracles, signs and wonders. We had still a heart to look into the eternal layers. And the eternal realms of God. Seeking to see the face of the one who you and I know as the son of God. As an old man having seen it all. He remained dissatisfied. Why? Because there was an obsessive pursuit. To come into a deeper knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is revealed in the face of his son. To what purpose and to what end? <laughs> Why is this important? It's important because, ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. 
when he becomes the centerpiece of my search and my eyes are constantly looking toward him, desiring to see him, I'm brought into a place of worship because worship has got to do with attributing my attention. When my attention is looking and beholding him, there's an exchange in nature. I get a deposit of a nature I did not have before. Worship is not flattering God. It's beholding him in the face of his son. Why? Because as I look upon him, I am changed into his likeness. I begin to be transformed to be more like him. That's why if you read through the chronicles of scripture and find true worshipers in the Bible, you will see them even in the old covenant, reflecting the nature of Christ. One of the greatest you know, worshippers in the Bible is who? The man David. David lived centuries before Christ was born. Yet David exhibited the nature of Christ more than most Christians today. Because he was a worshiper. He says what? He says, one thing I long for, what? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to see you in the sanctuary to behold your power and glory. For your loving kindness is better than life. Therefore, my lips shall praise thee. That's what, as he kept on looking, he kept on changing. As he kept on looking, he was an uneducated shepherd. Never had a day in school. But he kept looking and worshiping. As he worshiped, he was transformed until what? beat in the heart of David is what beat in the heart of God. And that's why the Lord says, in the, you know, he spoke to the mouth of, of Stephen, Acts chapter 13 verse 22, when he spoke of, I have found in the house of Jesse, David, a man after my own heart. How did David get the heart of God? By virtue of his pursuit. How do I know he pursued? By virtue of his worship as he kept on looking for the Father through every circumstance. Most of us, when we go through a circumstance, we look at who hurt us and what they said. David tried to find God in there. And as he kept on looking, he changed. Until the nature of the good shepherd became his natural character. Until one day, he was looking after his father's sheep. Hanging out at a house somewhere. Looking after his father's sheep. And the lion came and grabbed one of them. And took off. The heart of a natural man would have reasoned to say, I cannot risk my life for a lamb. It's too insignificant. Why would I put my life in danger for something so small? My father has many sheep. That one is gone. We'll always get another. That's how a reasonable man would have rationalized. But for David, because he was a worshiper, some, another nature was beginning to grow in his heart. So when, that, when he saw that lamb crying and going, something in him said, go after it. Rescue it. It's not the impulse of a natural man to almost give up his life for a lamb. It's not natural. But what was happening to David? Because as a worshiper, my brother, forging within his heart was the very heartbeat of God. And God, before Christ was born in Bethlehem, he was eternally Jehovah Rohai. He was the good shepherd even then. David got up and begins to run. Maybe not knowing, why am I doing this? This cannot be smart. Surely I'm getting, you know, right, he says this, I ran after the lion. I need you to hear me good. And when I caught up with him, I rescued the lamb from within his, between his jaws. And when that lion rose up against me, all of a sudden, another spirit rises up on David. The spirit of a conqueror. The spirit of a lion killer. He grabs the lion, the devourer. And he said, I, I grabbed it by the beard and I beat it to death. What is happening is that the nature of heaven is invading the heart of a boy. 
because his heart is the heart of a worshiper. So now his impulse, hear me good, his impulse reveals the object of his worship. I'll tell you where this message came from. This message came as I was watching the church in the last two years. How it was responding to the issues of this nation. And I nearly gave up the ministry. I nearly just went full time into business. Because I said, Lord, why is it with all the, the buildings and all the pomp and circumstance and all the songs that speak of greatness. That when an opportunity has come for us to respond like Christ, we respond like a natural man who knows not God. What have we been doing and what have I been wasting my life on? Because it appeared that the impulse of the church was not Christ-like. Are we okay? They be hanging on. I had to check myself, look myself in the mirror. And I said, Felix, what is your natural impulse? Is it self-preservation? Or is it the gospel? Let me tell you this. You know, you're talking about the Muslims that are, that are building something. They're not your problem. They are your purpose. You ought to be happy that they're coming here. You know why? Because they're coming into the light of the force of the gospel. Because there is some, right here on, on Arapaho, there's a church called Zion where the light of the gospel shines. Where else would you rather have them? Except within the vicinity of those that shine the light of Christ. Nothing can turn the world to Jesus better than a Christian who reflects Christ. Nothing can. Nothing can. American Christians are complaining about being persecuted. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Well, you know, I feel so persecuted, you know. You don't even know that. You cannot even spell the word. Persecuted? Well, you know, because, you know, they won't let us put the Ten Commandments on the, on, you know, on the city lawn. Do you have it hung in your home? Well, 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 you know, no. Have you committed to memory? Oh, let me get my phone and Google Seriously? We are, you know, you, you, you spoke yesterday, man of God, and you said, Psalm, uh, Isaiah 60, you know, arise and shine. You know what? You cannot shine when there's already a fake light. The lights have got to go off first in order for the church to be bright. You don't complain about this time. We were made for this time. We were created for this time. How are we supposed to shine if there's no darkness? But you want unregenerate people to act like they're saved. And then you complain when they don't, when they don't know the truth you know. You want them to receive the set of values you received because of an act of your will in accepting God. And you want to force it down their throat by the legislation. It's not going to work. The church is called to reflect Jesus. And let me tell you this why I was giving you the history lesson. The world changed when Christ was born. And when he passed on his nature, not to 100 people, to 11. And they turned the world upside down. There is no greater force on this planet than the force of those that pulsate with the heart of Christ. There is no greater force, greater transformative force on earth than Christians that are living the way they're supposed to. So why do we worship? Why do we have conference? AG conference. Peace in it. 
IBC, general conference. Oh, breakthrough conference. Why? If this does not result in you becoming more like Jesus, let's shut it down and at least save the electricity. I was a little kid in Africa, living my life. People from my father's side were steeped in ancestral worship of the worst kind. Some of them were deep in such depth of witchcraft, I cannot even explain it to you. I've lost family. My sister died in the most, in the most, in the most weird ways. I cannot even explain it. It makes no natural sense how my sister was taken out at age 20. How did my life turn around? A little kid that was one year older than me came to me one day and he said, hey, would you like to go to church with us? A little white boy from Louisiana. Father was a Baptist missionary in Zimbabwe. Came up to me one day. His name is Dwayne Maelstrom. Dwayne came up to me and says, Felix, would you like to go to church with us? And I said, I would like to, but I don't have a ride and I don't, I don't know where. He says, oh, I already spoke to my dad and he said he'll come pick you up. I remember how it used to feel Sunday morning all dressed in my Sunday thing waiting outside waiting to see that van coming to take me to the house of God. People that looked nothing like me. They were white. I was black. They were American. I was Zimbabwean. But they went 10 miles out of their way to pick up a little black boy to bring him to the house of the Lord. And when I was sitting in the pew on the 19th of February 1984, I hear the gospel preached. I was one of the first to get up to that altar to give my heart to Jesus. And the rest is history. Has it always been good? No, there's been many ups and many downs. But how did I come into the kingdom? Because one kid reflected Christ to me. He reflected Jesus to me. They used to pack that van with a bunch of kids that were just like me to take us to church. And you all cried out to the Lord, Lord bless us. Lord, please give us good homes. You've got good homes. Lord, please give us good cars. You've got some of the biggest cars I've ever seen. Just go in the parking lot and you'll see. And yet you only show up to church, just you and yours. Huh? Just you and your kids. Do you know how many people I've touched with the gospel in the last 21 years? I've been in the ministry now full time for 21 years. I lost count how many were saved. I lost count how many were healed. I lost count how many were delivered. I lost count the, men, the number of places I preached. Why? Because one day a kid came to me and did, and did not look at me and say, oh, I don't associate with people like you. Just came and reflected Jesus to me. And it was so attractive. I wanted to be just like that. How do you change your college? How do you change? By engaging in arguments with the atheists? Of course not. Waste your time. But Ravi said, God bless Ravi. I love what he does. But you're arguing with an atheist. is not going to somehow work on him until his rationale is going to be, you know what? That makes perfect sense. Because it's not supposed to make sense to them. This gospel is foolishness to them that are perishing. So then how do I win them, Felix? What? My boy, listen to me. When Christ becomes your impulse... 
you will find yourself stepping out at the expense of yourself and reflecting his nature in such a way that the one who fights you the most might end up approaching you looking for help. Here's what I had when, when I was in, in Little Town Kochiredzi. There was one guy, his name was George. We used to fight with me all the time about the gospel. Ah, Felix, you and your people, you know, always going to church and blah, 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 blah. Until one day he came to my house, seven at night. Felix, please, my mom is in hospital. She's not feeling well. He was in a panic. Can you please pray? I said, I'll do more than pray. I'm going to, that, to the hospital with you. I was in ICU holding that lady's hand. And George was out there broken. He couldn't even stand. He was so broken because he could see that his mom was dying. But the place he ran to right away was to come to the place where he knew that there's somebody who's not going to hold a grudge because I used to yell and make fun of him. Because I see something on the inside of him that I need right now. I need hope. And there's hope in him. Held that lady's hand and I began to pray. And George gave his heart to the Lord. What am I talking about? That happens time and time again when you reflect Christ. What is the greatest ambition of heaven? Not to, for a planting of another quote-unquote church. It's for the reflection of the nature of Christ through the house of God. If we do everything else and mess that up, we are messing it all up. It is the essence of what we are doing. We're doing okay. Night is still young. One time, James and John were so upset with the people that were speaking against the ministry of Christ that they felt righteous in their statement. And they said, let's call down fire from heaven and burn these people. And the Lord Jesus Christ looked at them and said, you don't even know what spirit you're operating under. You just switched camp and you don't even know it. Because you're wishing harm on our mission field. They are the reason why you have a calling. There is, they are the reason why you worship. Why? You worship so that Christ may be formed in you and Christ may affect them. You're trying to kill your own mission. To call down fire on the unsaved is equivalent to a missionary asking the Lord to burn his mission field. It's foolishness. But let me tell you what religion will do. Religion will make you think you are at war with the Muslims. You are at war with the gays and the lesbians. You are at war with the unsaved. You're not at war with them. You are at war for them. We are at war for them. Why? Because should they die without knowing the knowledge of truth, they've got a lost eternity that's waiting for them on the other side. Their only hope is that they might intersect one who beats with the heart of Christ. Christ is attractive. Friends, do you know the only people that don't like Jesus? It's religious folk. Religious people, oh, they're the ones that arrange for his crucifixion. Christ is attractive. Why? Because everything God created responds to light. The bugs cannot help it. So all you bugs, you are attracted to light. That's why you are here. So what must we do? What is the hope of the church in America? Preacher, why are you carrying on with all this? Because the ambition of heaven is that Christ be formed in us. The reason why I worship is that as I behold him, the light that leaves him hits me, begins to be reflected back. Who knows, I might just love enough for someone's life to be changed. Who knows, I might just care enough for someone's life to be changed. Who knows, I might just be Christ-like enough to break the spirit of rejection that is trying to rape our communities, to break the spirit of hatred that is trying to rape our communities. You know, it's, it's so amazing to me. The hope of this country is not who is in the White House. 
It's the demise of this country. <laughs> the real hope of this country is who is in the pew and in the pulpit. Oh, God, please help me. Give this example before. I was preaching Portland, Oregon a number of years ago. I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. And just before I preached, I, uh, a former Muslim got up. He was a gentleman. He used to be a soldier in Saddam Hussein's army. I gave you this example before. And just before the Gulf War, he defected and left the army. But something had already happened to him before he ran from Saddam's army. What had happened was this. Because Saddam at that time would allow Christians. You could have Christians in the, in the Iraqi army. You just were not allowed to proselytize. You were not allowed to pass out pamphlets. But he says there was a Christian that was part of his platoon. And this gentleman will always come to him and say, Hey, listen, if you've got some time off base, you want to come home with, it, with me this weekend? My mom is right there and she can cook for us. He says, for a long time I used to say no. Because I didn't know if they would serve pork. And I did not want to break halal. You know, anything that would have broken halal would not have been good for me. So I just used to say no until one day I just decided, you know what, let me just go with him. I got nowhere else to go. And he says this. He says his mom was a little elderly woman. He says when she came to greet her son, she came and she embraced her son. And then he says she came and she embraced me the first time she ever saw me. He says there was something about her that I felt more love than I'd ever felt. I was a devout Muslim. I prayed five times daily. I was diligent in Ramadan. But it says when the love I felt coming from that woman was supernatural. I'd never felt anything like that in my life. And I found myself wondering, what is that? What is that? So he says, now, more times than not, I used to ask the, my, this brother. We became, we became good friends. When are you going home next? She never preached to him, never told him, hey, you know what you're doing? You're going to burn and go to hell. None of that. She just served them. Food, but with a heart that used to that was just pulsating the heart of Christ, and that's when he found out that what I've been looking for in my religion, this is it right here. There's a purity about this love. There's something you know that that is. So eventually, he gave his heart to the Lord, and he became saved. His wife was a devout Muslim girl. She, he couldn't even tell her that he was saved. So he says, for a long time, I kept quiet. I didn't tell my wife. I was nervous because she was very, very strict and very into our religion. When they defected from Saddam's army, they were journeying, trying to go to the, um, to, to, to the United Nations refugee camp that was in Turkey. It says we were lost. We were traveling as a group of people, but we got isolated because they had snow in that part of the world. You know that. It, it, they, sometimes they have these short little blizzards that come through. It says we lost everyone else, and their tracks were covered in snow. It says, and we are walking, and we are lost. And that's when I turned to my wife because we thought we were going to freeze and die. I, I turned to her and I said, listen, I gave my heart to Jesus. And she, she yelled, then I said this, if I pray to him and he helps us to find our way, will you believe? And right there in the middle of nowhere, she says, okay, fine, let's pray. He says, Felix, I prayed a short little prayer and all of a sudden in our ears, we heard voices. And when we looked, the refugee camp was right in front of us. Wife got saved. And I said, my goodness, my brother, how did you come into, you see, it was not by turning on TBN and hearing some, 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 some preacher that really needs to be on a diet, out there yelling and screaming, and them Muslims, and them Muslims, and them, no, it was love that was coming out of the impulse of Christ that hooked his heart and brought him into the faith. And let me tell you this, I had the main gig of speaking that night, but that place responded more to his 15 minutes than they did to my 40 minutes presentation. 
What I'm telling you is this, ladies and gentlemen, if Christ becomes our ambition, and we're not just trying to do another Zion, you know, uh, you know, South Asian, you know, little church, but we want Christ to be the centerpiece of this house. They will come from the north, south, east, and the west. That's who they are looking for. They're not looking for a denomination because a denomination cannot save them. They're not looking for, quote-unquote, church folk. Church folk tend to gossip. They are looking for Jesus. I pray that we may cultivate his nature in us. Because I'm telling you this, ladies and gentlemen, nothing can change the world greater than Christ can. Something happened 2,000 years ago that literally shifted the dynamics of world history. It is the entrance of Jesus into the pages of human history. I'm almost done. But I do want to challenge you. I want to get in your face. I want, I want to be ugly about it. If your youth group, your worship, your organizations are not cultivating the nature of Christ until the outcome and the product that is flowing out of all those things is someone who is not more and more like Jesus, we are failing this assignment. We are not nowhere near what we're supposed to be doing. It's not enough to have gatherings of people that remained patently untransformed. The calling that we have been called to right now is that Christ, this is what Paul said to the church in Galatia, my dear children, from whom I labor until Christ is formed in you. I labor in the spirit as a woman in travail that Christ may be formed in you. That's why Paul says there's a mystery that was hidden for all generations but has now been revealed in our time, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when I read my Bible, it's because I want to be more like him. When I worship, it's because I want an exchange in his nature. When I preach, it's because I want Christ to be cultivated in the hearts of the hearer. Any other result is not worth it. It's just religion. Every communication that speaks of the place where Christ was baptized. John spoke about it. Matthew spoke about it. Here's what happens. When Christ, I need you to hear me good. When Christ, pastor, came out of the waters of baptism, here's what the Bible says. And the heavens were open to him. The heavens are not open to a church. They're open to Christ. You can have a church and Christ not be there. Just a bunch of human, carnal politics. <laughs> Smile at me. It's calling a spade a spade. But with the church that cultivates Jesus, the heavens will always open above it. It's, you see, spiritual activity does not happen. When, 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 when Jacob saw the ladder, the ladder, he saw angelic experiences. The angels ascending and descending. And it was forever a mystery to, to Jacob what that meant. He just thought that it's a place. It's a place, so he called that place Bethel. Mm, the ladder is not a thing. The ladder is someone. Because then when you go to John chapter 1 and verse 51, here's what Christ says. He says, there's a day you shall see the angels of God ascending and descending upon whom? Upon the son of man. So what? He is the place of angelic activity. It's him. 
So when you say, I want breakthrough, you are saying, I want Jesus. Because under him, the heavens are open. Under him, the angels ascend and descend before the Father, taking up the prayers, bringing down the answers. It's above Christ. Wherever Christ is manifest, darkness has got to flee. The devil is not afraid of the church, but he's afraid of Jesus. When he sees Jesus in the eye of the believer, he has got to go. It's always been Jesus. It's always been him. Begging the question before this African sits down. How many of us have the living obsession and intent that with each passing day, I want him to gain more expression in my life. I want him to own more territory in my heart. Until when I look in the mirror, I am reflecting the very nature, the tenderness, the heart of Jesus. My dear children for whom I labor until Christ is formed in you. How do I overcome the devil? You don't. You just unleash the one who has already done it. He has already overcome. So when Christ is in your midst and your heart is moving like him, the devil knows that his effect in your zip code is greatly diminished by the presence of Christ. He fears the face of Jesus. Are we okay? So then what do we do, Felix? Give us some, when we worship, we are desiring to change. There's some of you here that you know, let me tell you this. Let me tell you how God does what he does. When the Lord is forging the nature of Christ in you, he gives you an opportunity to exercise that nature. And you ask me how? By putting people around you that require you to show mercy. Why? To exercise the divine nature. It's easy to be spiritual when people speak well of you. Can you be spiritual when they're stabbing you in the back? Everyone that has ever hurt you, anybody that ever said something mean about you was an opportunity for you to exercise the nature of Christ. That's what Paul said, now I rejoice in my infirmities. And he says the suffering that I'm feeling right now is fulfilling the suffering of Christ. Why? Because he began to see everything he did in the context of Christ being enlarged in his heart. So when he saw people come up against him, he says, they did that to my Savior. Now is my opportunity to show the response, the impulse of Christ in return. So he welcomed those situations. Because it was an opportunity to exercise the nature of Jesus. Lord, make me more like you. That's why you'll get people at your workplace to speak against you. Why? It's an opportunity for you to show mercy to people that don't deserve it. Why? Because that's how he is. Ah. Lord, my own father's house has rejected me. And he says, it happened to me, son. It happened to me, daughter. It's an opportunity for you to love when they absolutely don't deserve it. It's easy to love people that deserve it. It's easy. The pagans do it. But you want me to be reflected through you? Yeah. So I created a scenario that gives you the ample opportunity to reflect me. They are not worthy of your forgiveness. Now give it. They are not worthy of your love. Now give it. They're not worthy of your generosity. Now give it. 
They're not worthy of your kindness. Now give it. Why? Because that's what I would do. That means everything we think is a problem. Well, the enemy is doing this to me. No, no it's an opportunity. For the, 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 you know, Christ is a carpenter. You know what a carpenter does? He has an instrument called a plane. Do you know what a plane does? A plane takes off the knots in the wood, the rough places in the wood, until it has a nice even surface. Christ knows how to do that. Circumstances, they, but Felix, you don't know what they did to me. But Lord, why am I going through this? But Lord, please, you've got to come through now. What am I doing? The carpenter is at work, making himself something that can hold value. The greatest ambition of heaven, let's all stand, please, is that Christ be formed in us. Can I have the worship team in place real quick? I just want one simple little song. But I want to pray for somebody here real quick. And maybe you're here right now and you say, you know what? Uh, some of you, I, I just feel this. Can I just share what I feel? There's some people that have drifted away from the Lord because of, because of situations. You've been hurt. And sometimes it's not even by people, but it's by circumstances. Because for some of you, someone here, you feel that you've cried out to God, why has he not answered? And so you've been distancing yourself from him. I just want you to know your father knows exactly where you are. And don't let the enemy cause your system to be septic and for offense and bitterness to be your portion. No, you're not built for that. It's an ample opportunity for you to reflect Christ. You pass this test. I need you to hear me good. You pass this test, find out the breakthrough that is coming in your life right now. I don't know who you are, but somebody here has been hurt. And you haven't, it used to be easy for you to let things go. But this one is difficult for you to let it go. Because it's, it's just hurt so much. But you've got to let it go tonight. Why? Because I've been yelling and screaming at the fact that the Lord wants Christ to be formed in you. Because he's got a destiny that, that needs the reflection of Christ. Who am I talking to? If you don't mind being honest, I want to pray for you. Well, you say it used to be easy for me to let things go. It's been more difficult now. This thing that I've gone through right now is making it a bit harder. And you've been distancing yourself from the Lord. Am I talking to myself? If I am, I'll move on. But if you're here right now, I want you to just have the boldness that I need the Lord to work in my heart right now. I want to be clear of this. Anybody at all? See that hand, brother? I see that hand, man. I need you guys to come up. Let's take care of heaven's business. The attack that came against you is not the attack. The attack is not the attack. That's not the strategy. The residue or the outcome of that attack, the distance from the Lord is what the enemy has wanted. For some of you that says, I've, I've just been more and more turned off from the things of God. Some of you here have been disillusioned with the church where it just looks like, you know what, it just looks like one big joke. And you're just not into it as you used to. Come on, you've got to be honest with me tonight. Let's just be honest, the ground is level. You've become disillusioned with the house of God. But you say, Father, heal my heart because I need you to know this. You need to have a good opinion of the church because that's his bride. But if you're here right now and you say, every time I look at the church, I just feel discouraged. And that's you. And you say, I want my heart to be healed. I want you to lift up your hand as well. And I want you to come up. Don't hesitate. Just come up. Come on, you guys, step forward. Step forward. Step forward right here. If you've been disillusioned with the house of God, it's just harder and harder for you to respect what you see because it's just heartbreaking.
It's a setup where the enemy is trying to tear you down. There's someone else. Why are you hesitating? This is important. This is life and death issues. Go ahead and respond. We're waiting on you. I feel it in my heart. There's somebody else. You're wrestling with it right now. Thank you. Step closer, guys. Step closer. Don't be shy about this. This is about heaven's business. Amen. It's not about men. It's not about what people think. We don't care what people think tonight. Tonight, we're only concerned about what the Lord wants done. And still more, there's somebody here that has been asking the Lord, Lord, light my fire again. Please, Lord, I used, to, I used to like this more. I used to enjoy this more. Please, Lord, give me that fire back because I don't have it anymore. I just don't have it anymore, Father. If that's you, I need you to come up. Light my fire again, Lord. I just don't have it anymore. I'm tired. And once you come to the altar, begin to talk to the Lord about it. Just, he's listening, okay? He's here. Just begin to talk to him right now. Your father is listening. Today is a day of restoration. He's making things right. He's realigning things. For some of you, you've been silenced for too long and you should never have been quiet because your voice matters. It matters. It matters whenever you're on fire for God. Others got on fire for God. It matters that you're on fire for him. Begin to talk to the Lord. Open your mouth. Tell him about the situation. And tell him, Father, cleanse me from this. I don't want this anymore. Set me free, Lord, that I can love you and worship you. That your power and your glory may be reflected in and through me. There's somebody here where you are acting as if God is already done with you. He's, he's saying this, that this is what the Lord is saying. I'm not yet done with you. And what that means is that the intent of God is still alive. His purpose for your life has not been, it has not been cancelled. I don't know who you are. You think it's all over. I'm just waiting and I'll just be nice. But here's what the Lord is saying. It's not over yet. Oh, that Christ may be formed in you. Oh, that Christ may be formed in you. Oh, that Christ may be formed in you. The devil was laughing and saying, we hurt him so deep, he'll never love again. He'll never, you know, give his heart to the Lord like that again. Now we are about to turn things around, my brother. Because anything that has got to do with offense and bitterness, we throw it to the ground. It will never rise again. And you shall be a young man known to be on fire for God. You will be known for the fire of God that is on you. The devil just lost this one. He just lost. Those that are weary and say, I'm tired, preacher. I'm tired. The Lord is giving you strength again. 
yes the Lord is restoring your strength for some of you you say the future look dim the Lord is sharpening your vision again you will see the future bright once again in the name of Jesus who is Christ my precious sisters born and raised to serve the living God Father, I thank you, I honor you, I glorify you. Preserve this young life. Watch over him, fight for him, Jesus. Show yourself strong in his life. 
young preacher, rise up, young preacher, rise up in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever I keep hearing
Let's worship. Yes. Jesus. Yes, Lord.
Christ in you. Christ, thank you for revealing you in our life. Nothing more we need in this life, Lord. Nothing more, nothing less, Lord. We need you in our life. Let that be revealed. Let you be revealed in our life. Every moment of our life. Not only in this moment alone. Every moment of our life, Lord. Lord, don't leave us. Let us not go from here, this place, without that assurance in our life. We don't want to go from here, Lord, without that assurance. Don't leave us, Lord, without your presence in our life. Let this whole world see us. Your love, your compassion, your kindness from our life, Lord. Lord, this world is so with so much darkness. So much darkness, Lord. This world need you. The world, this world need you in our life. Lord, have compassion to this world. Let you rule in our life. We were so much hypocrites. We were so much acting people. But we pray that, Lord, we want to surrender our life once more time. One more time, Lord. Lord, you rule in our life. Sorry for the words. We're sorry for our attitudes, Lord. So many times. So many times our attitudes, Lord. Lord, here we are. Here we are. We surrender in your presence. Lord, show us the areas of our life which we are not surrendering, Lord. We are not perfect. We are not perfect, Lord. Lord, help me to see you more. Help me to see your goodness, Lord. Help me to see your kindness more, Lord. Lord, you reveal in me. You reveal in every one of, every members, every person who is represented here, Lord. You will do that. You are so compassionate, God. You are so loving, God. Irrespective of our, our situations, what we have done in our life, you will show compassion. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We are going to pray if you feel to stay back in the presence of God and if you feel to worship God, you're free to do that. Parishuddha Pidave, Nyangalagi Stuti Gidhirthavi, Nyangalagi Stuti Gidhirthavi, Moshe Prarthichthupole Gidhirthavi, Devami, Nyangalagi Kudapur Nilayangil, ഞങ്ങൾക്ക് Ni yang kita hilang, yang kita purna mai, 
നിന്റെ സ്ഥലം വിശ്വസ്തരായി ജീവിക്കുവാൻ വേണ്ടി ഞങ്ങളെ ഏൽപ്പിക്കുന്നു ധാവേ ഞങ്ങളുടെ ഹൃദയത്തെ തകർത്തതിനായി സ്തോത്രം നിരാത്രി കാലം അങ്ങനെ കരങ്ങളിലേക്ക് അടിങ്ങളെ ഏൽപ്പിക്കുന്ന ധാവേ അങ്ങേ ദിനംതോറും കർത്താവേ അങ്ങേ ആരാധിച്ച് ജീവിക്കേണ്ടതായിട്ട് അടിങ്ങളെ സമർപ്പിക്കുന്നു നിന്റെ മക്കളെല്ലാവരെയും ഏൽപ്പിക്കുന്ന കർത്താവേ ദൈവറുബയിൽ സൂക്ഷിച്ചാണ് യേശുവിൻ നാമത്തിൽ തന്നെ If you feel to be in the presence of God and keep me in the attitude of worship, you are free to do that. Let's not rush through. There's a thick presence of God in this area. I could sense a holy smoke filled in this area as Pastor Felix was ministering. And I still sense the move of Holy Spirit is so powerful in our midst. From the very first day we started our breakthrough fasting and prayer, we started hearing testimonies and also we started seeing setbacks. Every time we have fasting and prayer or a revival breakthrough meeting of this kind, we always and always we see the devil working at his best to destroy, to distract and to break. But we believe in the personality of Jesus Christ. His personality speaks about breakthrough. And today, we realize in our atmosphere, in our situation, wherever we are placed, God is moving. Zion today from it and you will worship and worship God in some other church but I tell you this truth my friends as we unite together in the purpose and for the purpose that God has placed us all in this city as we unite in our spirits together to worship Jesus no strongholds can ever barricade us no strongholds can ever stop us we will win this city for Jesus Yes, Jesus. Father, it is you who we seek today. It is you who we seek today. It is you. Thave njangal ninne yaan neer teedunnadu. Ninde mogathe yaan njangal nokkunnadu. It is you who we look for, O oh Lord. It is you, O oh Lord. It is you, O oh Lord. Father, we pray. let your face shine on us Ba 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 no this break ba 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 
Okay. 
give us your heart. Cause we want to see you. Show us your glory. Cause we want to know you, God. Cause we want to see you. Show us worship team to come forward I will request Pastor Felix to lay your hands on them and, and pray 
for these guys. Worship team of Zion Church, the English and the Malayalam, Malayalam worship. If you are here, please come forward. Please come forward. Please come forward. Please come forward. The Lord is taking this church into a next level. And it all begins with how the worship team is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we pray for the anointing to touch the realms of God. Uh, the DNA that can experience heaven. Praying for the anointing of ascendancy that the Lord allows you to ascend into the holy place, into the place of His dwelling. I see an encounter taking place during a practice session. There will be nobody else in the building except you guys, and you'll get to worship and you'll and you'll just let worship go free, and an encounter is coming that will literally mark this territory and this property with glory. That will make this place a marked and a branded place. Branded by glory. I pray for the spirit of freedom in worship. That you won't feel bound. That you won't be moved by people's faces. Or by the lack or by their participation. It won't move you. You'll be just moved by the pull of God. I pray for the anointing that was on the heart of David so that he could move the heart of God to fall upon you in a powerful way. I release songs. By the power of the name of Jesus, I release songs. Brand new songs and a brand new sound. Let your ear hear. I, we, we pray for the ear to unblock that you'll hear the sound of heaven. Just as the song we sang, the sound of heaven touching earth, you'll hear songs. Songs will come through. to go beyond your natural capability to go beyond the, the limitation of your natural skill and to play as one who's touched by heaven to play as one who's touched by heaven yours is the unique unique calling to please the Lord with your skill because when the worship is right, the sure word of prophecy is released. The current word of God is let loose by worship, by the agency of the psalmist. It's your job to unlock a current word from God. So go beyond the holy place into the holy of holies. And commune with the Father as agents, as instruments of worship. May you love him, not just on Sunday in front of everybody, but in the quiet place where you are home alone by yourself. May you worship him in your car. May you worship him in your private place and in that place encounter him. May there be a spilling over. I see what looks like a dam that has come, that is full and now is beginning to spill over. Fill to capacity. Fill to overflow. Fill to capacity. Fill to overflow. Fill to capacity. <laughs> 
filled to overflow. One of these days in this place, the Lord shall open your ear to hear the sound of the angels singing they, as they join together with you in worship before the throne. You'll hear songs and octaves you can never reach as heaven and earth unite in worship. This word is for you guys as well. Same word. You that have given your gift as an instrument to please the heart of the Lord. May you be touched by glory. Touched by God's ability. I really songs, my brother. Songs. Songs. Songs, my precious sister. Songs. Songs, the sound of heaven that is unique for your generation and unique for the time. That, that, that unlocks things that no, no cover can do. In the name of Jesus Christ. An instrument of his glory. An instrument of his glory, my brothers. An instrument of his glory. Take us into the place of God's dwelling. Until we become familiar with the mysteries of heaven. Because of the quality of our worship. There is no one else for There is no one else for me. Touch my glory, touch my glory. None but you. Crucified to set me free. Oh, now I live to bring him free. Just sing it again, so much time. Cause there is no one else. Thank you, Jesus. Not who was crucified. Crucified to save Now I live to bring you praise. Father, tonight we thank you. For this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord is, is giving something right now. Just receive, please. Be in an attitude of receiving. Just receive. Anyone that's in the building right now, just receive. The Lord is, I see the hand of the Lord opening up and the Lord is depositing something. Just receive right now. Don't beg, don't ask, just receive.
Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for doing something in us that is permanent. Something that the world can never take away. Something that is sealed even with the seal of the Holy Ghost. And tonight we just want to say thank you. Thank you for communing with us, for encountering us, for touching and for changing us. Father, we declare that all the words we spoke in your presence, not a single one will fall to the ground. But our Father has heard us, and he is answering even now. Father, as we go to our various homes, may your presence go with us. And Father, as we meet again tomorrow, may there be an acceleration of glory, a multiplication, Father, of the intensity of your hand and your presence in this place. Take us where we've never been before. Open our eyes to the reality of who you are. Ignite our hearts with a holy passion, a holy desire, a holy love for you. And may we chase after you for the rest of our lives until we take a hold of that for which Christ got a hold of us. Bless your children tonight, Father. Bless their families, Lord. Bless their lives, Father. We dedicate it all to you and we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Yes, you're in a Amen. God bless you.